0: Please be seated for our Bible
1: readings. The first reading is taken from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter four, beginning to read at verse nine. It can be found on page 229 in the New Testament section of the church Bible. In this reading, Paul speaks to his protege, Timothy, about his current imprisonment in Rome. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he he is useful in my ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left, with Carpus at Troas also the books and above all the parchments Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm the Lord will pay him back for his deeds you also must be beware of him for he strongly opposed our message At my defence, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from Mark chapter 8, beginning to read at verse 27. It can be found on page 46 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, Jesus discusses with the disciples, and later the crowds, the meaning of his identity and his purpose. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah and he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, What can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels this is the gospel of the lord praise to you o christ
0: thank you gloria shall we pray together so lord may my mouth speak wisdom And the meditation of my heart bring understanding. That your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. To awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please do be seated. A hinge acts to join together two parts. Think of a door hinged to its frame. Without a hinge like this, any door won't open or close properly. Or think of your body too that has, if you like, hinges connecting bones together. Think of your elbow, your knuckle, your knee. Metaphorically speaking, we use the word hinge in history to describe this central or pivotal point or principle in which everything in that period in history depends. For instance, we'll only understand the reign of our late queen when we understand her faith in Jesus Christ. Today's Bible reading from Mark's Gospel acts, if you like, as a hinge. It brings together the two central joints in Mark's story of Jesus' life, namely his identity, who is Jesus, and his purpose. Why did he come or what was he here for? The hinge of history hangs where Jesus' identity and his purpose meet. You see, those two questions, who is Jesus and what was he here for, acts as the hinge in which anyone's life pivots. They're life-changing questions. They're the deepest questions we ask today. They define our life and give us meaning. Who am I? And what am I here for? The Christian story says we understand who we are when we understand whose we are that our human identity is hinged with who Jesus is likewise the Christian story says that we find meaning for what we are here for through the meaning of Jesus's life that our purpose as a person is hinged with what Jesus was here for now If there's some of us this morning, maybe either in this room or watching online, who've never read Mark's gospel before, from someone who's read it quite a few times, the question in the story so far has been this. Who is this guy, Jesus? That's the question that keeps staring us in the face as we turn over the pages of the story. And so far, those who followed Jesus most closely, his disciples or his apprentices, and those who followed from afar, the crowds, have kind of been scratching their heads, trying to unravel the clues to the answer. For instance, we would read how they were astounded at the authority of the messages that Jesus spoke. We would read how we saw last week that they were amazed at Jesus' actions, For instance, the power that he had over nature. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him, they said. And they were in awe when Jesus prayed. They felt his presence. It was why that day as Jesus and the disciples were kind of looking around, walking along the roads and through the villages, he asked them, who do people say I am? Their response was to say that the people think that you're a prophet. Because what Jesus was doing at that time was in effect what they thought a prophet did. You see, the role of a prophet was to stand in the gap and provide a map to God for the people. They did it through their messages, through their actions, through their prayers. In essence, prophets acted as a hinge between God and the people. And then we read, Jesus stopped looking around. And he then kind of looked at them directly in the eye and said that life-changing question. Who do you say I am? How long the gap was before a response came, we're not told. It's Peter, isn't it, who answered, the one who frequently found himself as the group's spokesperson, if nothing else, because he was best at opening his mouth first. So on behalf of them all, Peter declares what Mark had said at the very beginning of this gospel and what Jesus will only say at the end. You are the Messiah. It's a Hebrew word, isn't it? Messiah. Many of us know the corresponding Greek word is Christ. It's not a name. It's a title. It actually means the anointed one or special one or perhaps best, the king. Because a ruler was made king by being anointed with oil. And Jesus the Messiah was God's anointed king. But to use that word Messiah in those days was a bit like pouring oxygen on an open fire. It was explosive and incendiary. Especially to a power crazed Roman Caesar and the blasphemous hungry Jewish rulers. It would attract attention. It would invite opposition. At this stage, Jesus wasn't ready to come out in public and declare his identity. Why? Because his identity was hinged with his purpose. Why is he here? What is he here for? The hinge of all history hangs where Jesus' identity And his purpose meet. It was Jesus the king. Who wanted to keep his identity secret. But if he wanted to keep his identity secret. We read he's quite the opposite. And very open in declaring his purpose. And how it hinges. On a cross. Of how he will suffer. Of how he will be rejected. And killed before being raised back to life. Yet for Peter, at least, if not all of them, this was not how the story was supposed to end, was it? His idea of a Messiah king ever since growing up meant freedom, meant liberation, meant victory. It meant the establishment of God's reign flowing through a rebuilt or cleansed temple. It meant the defeat of the occupying Roman enemy. And it meant the rule of God's justice and righteousness. Peter is thinking triumphal procession and Jesus is thinking death march it's very easy isn't it just like Peter in that story for us as well to tell ourselves a narrative that we have a better idea than Jesus for how he should have ran his life or how our lives should go as well history is full of failed examples isn't it your history and my history is full of failed examples yet as Jesus reminds us in this passage divine logic turns human valuation upside down it's why Jesus then outlines very clearly very directly His purpose of why he is here. He doesn't want anyone to be mistaken by this. You see, the world in which we live says that you find your purpose in yourself. It's all about self-promotion. It's all about self-fulfillment, even self-help. It's all about me. Whereas Jesus says his purpose and ours is following his purpose. And it hinges on self-denial. It's not all about me. Jesus says, doesn't he, firstly, that self-denial is the denial of self itself. It's not thinking about it in terms of how we might deny something to ourselves, like we might deny ourselves chocolate. It's the denial of and the refusal to be guided by our own interests and to surrender control of our own interests destiny you see what Jesus is therefore requiring is a radical abandonment of our own identity and self-determination it's the entire opposite isn't it and radically countercultural to the western philosophy today which says it's all about me and Jesus says if you want to be my follower, if you want to know what my purpose is and what your purpose is, it begins with self-denying. It begins with denying ourselves. Secondly, Jesus says, it continues by taking up our cross. Now, yes, that would mean to endure some hardship, to endure it patiently and accept discomfort definitely. Could it mean more than that? Absolutely. Does it mean joining Jesus on the way to execution? It may well do. Does it mean the possibility of death for me, for dying for my faith? Well, probably not in these age in which we live. But we should remember that many have and still do today. You see, whatever headline the world may shout at us, The most persecuted group in the world today, irrespective of race or gender or sexuality or religion, is the follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe as many as 300 million people. A reminder for those of us who were with us on Tuesday at the Bible studies that Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life, but he does promise to be with us during this life. Jesus says self-denial is about denying ourselves. It continues by taking up our cross. And then Jesus says, thirdly, it's about following him. To run with perseverance, that race set before us. For all of us have a different race to run in following Jesus, but we all follow him down the same path. To be ready to share in the same fate, even carrying our own cross. As Justin Welby reminded us in his message at the Queen's Funeral, the pattern for all who serve God, whether famous or obscure, respected or ignored, is that death is the door to glory. For Jesus says, for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them? To gain the whole world and forfeit their life. Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Or in the words of the Christian martyr Jim Elliot who said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Two questions hinge together. Who is Jesus? The King. Why did he come? the cross through answering those two questions we find the meaning of our identity and our purpose the hinge of all history hangs at the station where Jesus the King arrived at the cross and there comes or will come a moment as Jesus says at the end of this story in all of our lives whether living or dead when we will be asked by Jesus who do you say I am? You see, when we make Jesus our king, we begin to understand how our identity is hinged with his identity. We understand who we are when we understand whose we are. It's what that, the baptism service reminds us about, doesn't it? As we saw two weeks ago when the king of the heavens spoke and said of Jesus, You are my son, the beloved. With you I'm well pleased that one short sentence that encapsulates, doesn't it, such deep and profound meaning. For we all need to know that we belong, and God says, you're my child. We all need to be loved, and God says, you are my beloved. We all need affirmation, and God says with you, I'm well pleased. What that means is that we then find our identity in Jesus, that, and it isn't defined by our performance, I am what I do, or our, if you like, possessions, I am what I have, or our popularity, I am what of us think. We find our identity hinged to him in Christ. And then we realize correspondingly how our purpose in life is to, is to follow him, to live his life, to love him. So many people ask, What does Jesus want me to do? Simply to love him. As the story would go on, as Jesus said to Peter after he famously denied him and saved his own skin three times. Do you love me, Peter? Maybe on Monday, on that never-to-be-forgotten day, we got caught up, we got transfixed in the funeral of our late great queen, who knew how her identity and her purpose were hinged with Jesus's identity and purpose. If you watched any of that coverage, at the end of the BBC coverage, one of the summarizers, the historian, Professor Sir David Canadine, was asked, if you like, to kind of sum up the day. And he used these words, spoken late in life by the first Queen Elizabeth, which she said might equally have be spoken of her illustrious successor and namesake. Though God hath raised me high, yet this I count the glory of my crown, that I have reigned with your love. It's not my desire to live and reign longer than my life and reign shall be for your good. And though you have had and may have many wiser and mighty rulers sitting in this seat, yet you never had nor shall have any that would love you better. The hinge of all history hangs at the station where the king arrived at the cross. So may we live our life as a hinge, knowing our identity is to be found in being loved by him and our purpose is to be found in loving him in return. In the name of the Father who created us, the Son who redeemed us, and the Spirit who gives us life. And may we carry on the life-giving message of Jesus Christ into our night, knowing that God will do everything that he has promised. His love for us is eternal and he will complete the work in us. He has begun. In Jesus' name. Amen.